They've experienced life-altering injuries. A vaccine injury. Her symptoms continued to worsen. It was a nightmare. So COVID, the virus, and mRNA vaccines have very, very similar biological effects. So you're basically getting the same insult to the body. It hijacks your normal healthy cells and turns them into virus particle factories. Exactly. How did vaccines which promised to preserve life and health instead turn out to endanger them? Welcome to Vital Science COVID Vax Recovery Part 1. I'm Brendan Fallon. This three-part series will take you from the root of mRNA vaccine injury to a breakthrough treatment for health recovery. All toxins have antidotes, period. Okay, there's nothing in the human body that cannot be fixed fundamentally once we know the mechanisms under which it's acting. And I contacted him two days later and I said, how's your son? He said, Tracy, it said, it's the first time in 48 hours that he hasn't needed dialysis and his liver functioning has improved by 50%. Over several decades, Dr. Dane Goodenow has developed systems for diagnosis, prevention and treatment of disease, including for autism, ALS and Alzheimer's disease, as we previously covered on Vital Signs. These systems are now showing increasing efficacy in treating vaccine injury. Dr. Goodenow, great to have you back on Vital Signs. Thank you, Brendan. Happy to be back. And really good to have you talking about vaccine recovery because this is something that you're actively involved in and you have many insights about the whole situation that we're seeing here that we thought would have disappeared by now, but people are still suffering on a very large scale from the effects of, of these mRNA vaccines. And this isn't what was expected. It wasn't what was promised when these vaccines were rolled out. What is at the heart of this conflict here between the results we're seeing from these vaccines and what was promised? The biggest thing for people to realize is that this is very different than a regular infection and a regular vaccine. And the first thing for people to really kind of get a sense of is that how do you normally get infected? How do you normally get better? Okay, we're always getting a flu. We're always getting a cold. Okay, we get sick for a while, 10 days or whatever, and then we get better. Well, why do we get better? And this is somewhat of a mystery to most people. It's really not a mystery in the scientific field. Like the whole field of virology and infectious diseases, we're talking 300 years, right? You know, Edward Jenner, who developed the smallpox vaccine from cowpox, from, you know, you know Louis Pasteur and the germ theory, like we've been, this stuff is very well understood. It's also understood that it's very complicated. There's a lot of trial and error in this process of trying to create an immune response to something, okay? But so for, but the first thing you have to realize, we're all, science always is trying to recreate what we observe in the natural world, right? And we observe natural people getting better. We observe, so example, it's what happened for smallpox, the most important vaccine related issue. So, so the whole world vaccine comes from smallpox. It's actually Latin. So, um, Edward Jenner, he recognized, and actually it was recognized before him by doctors in the field, that women who got, they were called dairy maids, women who got minor infections with cowpox were immune to smallpox. So how does the mRNA COVID vaccine differ in, in basic terms to what they created 300 years ago? Well, the basic difference is that the mRNA vaccine doesn't copy the entire virus. Okay, it only copies a piece of the virus and it causes your cells to produce a piece of the virus. And the theory behind it was that if we can just produce a piece of the virus, supposedly a benign piece of the virus, the spike protein, 
that the body would generate an immune response to a part of the virus. And that immune response would be sufficient to protect someone from an actual complete infection with COVID. That's the basic concept behind the mRNA vaccines. But there's many issues about that that are wrong and known to be wrong before implementation. Okay, and, and it's based upon all the knowledge that we've known for 300 years of dealing with infections and, and epidemics across the world. And so what does that mean for the way that an mRNA vaccine works on the cells compared to the way a conventional vaccine works on the cells? Right, well, so the difference is based upon how we normally recover from an infection. Okay, so how we normally do it, so everything we do, we always try to reproduce what we see in the physical world. And so for you and I, when we get infected by a virus, right, we go to Thanksgiving and your uncle has a flu and you end up getting the flu two days after Thanksgiving. What happened? Well, when you went there, okay, he was um, a carrier. He was actually um, spewing flu viral particles and you got exposed to that. And your immune system, which is your cells that, that attack these foreign pathogens that enter our bodies, hadn't recognized it. So it was unknown to your immune system. And so that the viral particles that you got exposed to, they were able to escape your immune system before it woke up to this infection. And when you get infected with a virus, what happens is that virus goes into your cells of your body. Okay. And this is what makes a virus so unique because it has a little plasma and what makes it so amazing. Like the viral particles are very, very small. They're, they're biologically, they're an incredibly interesting thing because they can infect your current cells. And then they use RNA, not DNA, but they use a messenger RNA inside your cells to reproduce the entire virus particle. And so they infect one of your cells and then your cell starts producing more viral particles. And those viral particles is escape the cell. Either they get emitted through exocytosis or the cell just ends up creating a whole bunch of virus particles till it can't hold them any longer and the cell bursts apart and all these virus particles explode into your system, okay? So a virus is fundamentally a parasite to your cell. It hijacks your normal healthy cells and, and right. turns them into virus particle factories. Exactly, but it doesn't care about the host, right? All it cares about is making as many viral particles as quickly as possible. So a virus infection will always kill the cell that gets infected, okay, which is fine. So then what happens is your immune system eventually wakes up, says, oh, and it, this is not good. And it, you get an immune response to this particular flu virus that your, that your uncle gave you, for example, right? And now your immune system kicks in. And what your immune system does is it doesn't go and it doesn't kill the virus producing cell, okay? What it does is it prevents the virus particles that are being created by your own virus infected cells from infecting secondary cells, new cells. And so by preventing the virus that your body is now creating the virus inside yourself and, and the, your immune system is preventing that from infecting other cells. So it's sooner or later, the rate of newly infected cells in your body becomes less than the rate of, or of, of cell death. And so these the cells that you have that have virus infections, they're making virus, but they're, they're killing themselves, right? And then they're not infecting anyone else. And then you gradually get better. Okay. So that's how, that's how you normally get through something. So the question is, so, so your immune system is always a preventative system. 
It, it sounds like a quarantine, like a cellular level quarantine. All it really has to do is stop the infection from happening. And your body will gradually, all these viral particles will gradually get digested. They'll get their proteins or they're going to not stick around forever, right? And long as the cell that's creating them dies, you eventually get better, right? So, so the whole thing about vaccines and your immune system, it's all about prevention, not about treatment, okay? Vaccines are not treatment. And, and the immune response to a virus is not a treatment. It's always a preventative process. Like you're not- I, I read this, that the idea of like you don't dispense a vaccine to stop the current spread of a virus. It's done with the intention of, of stopping the future spread or the future transmissibility of, of a virus Correct. breakout. Yes. And so I want to address that very directly. Okay. But the problem now with the mRNA vaccines, what makes the mRNA vaccines very, very different than a regular vaccine or different from a normal natural infection is that the MR, like a regular virus enters your body, enters your cells, and it creates the, it builds the entire virus particle. That is not sustainable to your cells. Okay. Once you start, your cells aren't like, if it, if it infects a heart cell or a lung cell, those cells are designed to work for your lungs, designed to work for your heart, right? They're not designed to have this extra capacity to say, Hey, I can still be a heart cell. And I can still produce a whole bunch of virus particles, right? It's not designed for that. So eventually it overwhelms the, the capacity of that cell and the cell dies. It's, it's, it's overwhelming to a virus infected cell to continually produce virus particles. It cannot sustain it. mRNA vaccines are very different because you're not asking the cell to create an entire virus particle. All you're asking the cell to do is create a single protein. It's not very hard to do. Okay. And it, and so what you've done is you created these spike protein factories in a way that they don't die very quickly because the cell can produce these, these mRNA protein, these spike proteins on and on and on and on and on because it's, it's, it's not so exhausting. It's, it's more manageable for the right. cell just to produce a spike prote protein than to create a whole virus particle. Correct. And so, so how we normally get better from a, from an infection is the infected cells die. Okay. You don't, you, you don't get better from a regular cold or a regular flu until your infected cells die. Okay. So what happens with the mRNA vaccines is that those infected cells don't die. They stick around for long periods of time and they keep pumping out this spike protein and the spike protein itself is the toxic agent. Okay. This is, this is the other important aspect of it is that the spike protein is biologically active in its own right. It has an entry mechanism into your cells through the ACE2 receptor. It gets into your cells. It actually acts on your mitochondrial, the complex one of the mitochondrial chain, and it impairs your cells. It's pro-inflammatory in and of itself. Coming up in COVID Vax Recovery Part 2, we tell the story of a woman's struggle in everyday life after mRNA COVID vaccination. I can't retain the information. I could go to the same place over and over and over again. I can drive there and I would never remember how to get there. And the hope she found in a breakthrough new treatment for reviving health. And then I remember driving my sister to her boyfriend's house. I went to go drop her off and she said, Tracy, you didn't use a GPS. So you remember the directions yourself? There was no way I would ever have remembered like how to like get her like, over to his house. Check the description below to see if that video has already been published. If not, the link will appear there soon. To get notice of that and other new Vital Signs videos, follow me at Vital Signs Brendan on Instagram and see Vital Signs on X. 
so COVID, the virus and mRNA vaccines have very, very similar biological effects. So you're basically getting the same insult to the body, you know, regardless of whether you're getting the, because if you, when your cells get infected with COVID virus, the actual naturally occurring virus, it enters your cells and your cells will break that apart. And when it breaks it apart, all the spike proteins that are on that virus get released and they get released inside your cells. So when you get infected with COVID, COVID the virus, right, from another person, when your cells endocytose that virus particle, that virus particle gets digested inside your cells. And then it releases all the spike proteins that are on that virus particle inside your cell. So whether you're getting spike protein directly, like whether you're getting free floating spike protein coming into your cells, or whether you're getting spike protein attached to a COVID viral particle going into your cell is irrelevant. The spike protein is getting into the cell. And once it gets into the cell, it has a biological toxicity inside your cell, however it gets and, into it. So in both cases, they're, they're impacting the mitochondria, which is the, the energy production correct. factory of the cells. Correct. So in essence, and this is why this is really, really quite evil in the large sense of things, is that COVID, the virus, is fundamentally a spike protein delivery mechanism. Okay, its purpose is to actually deliver the spike protein into the cells. So COVID, the virus, and mRNA vaccines are almost identical. And so the mRNA vaccines also have a viral component to it because in order to get mRNA into your cells, okay, just free-floating mRNA typically will not it'll get digested. So you have to get it into the cell with the plasmid. And this is where all the genetic engineering for decades and decades and decades one of the biggest challenges of the 90s, the 80s and 90s, and the biggest Monsanto patents, for example, what gave Monsanto its huge, like the manufacturer of glyphosate, for example, right? And their production of the Roundup Ready plant systems. Like the weed killer. The weed killer, right? So history will decide on the ethics of it. But from a scientific um, discovery processing perspective, the ability to create stably transfected biological material, which is Roundup Ready corn, for example, or Roundup Ready soybeans that contain a protein that can digest glyphosate. So plants that have that protein, you spray glyphosate on them and they survive. Plants that don't have that protein die. So that's how this whole process happened. But the only way Monsanto could do that, they knew how to make the protein, the glyphosate enzyme protein, that was well known. We had a, the problem is how do you get it into the cell of the plant? Okay, and so that is where the adenovirus, like the so how genetic engineering works and how the whole field of biotechnology, one of the biggest challenges has been how do I get genetic material into a cell? And the only thing in the natural world that can do that is a virus. Right? So fundamentally what a virus is, it's a gene insertion mechanism. Okay. And when you get a flu virus, that virus is inserting external genetic material into one of your cells and that, and your cells recognizing it and doing something with it. It's either making the, the flu virus particle or it's making a spike protein. Okay. So scientists know this, right? And so they say, okay, how do I, how do I take, how this do I use this, this power for good? Correct. Exactly. Right. And so, and so 
and you want to get it into a cell, but you don't want to create a virus infected cell because the cell will die. So I don't want to put the whole virus into the plant. I just want one. I just want to put one protein into the plant, right? I just just one protein, and the plant's going to be. And so these Roundup Ready plants—they're really healthy plants. This glyphosate resistant protein in them, right? Because it makes them super powerful. When we talk about you know, you know, virus resistance or antibiotic resistance or uh, pesticide resistant weeds, like the 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 world we live in is very, very dynamic. It, 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 it's incredibly adaptable to all types of insults. It will typically find a way to escape anything, right, eventually. And this is where the real evilness comes in in terms of the COVID vaccines and COVID infection itself comes in. Because just as you mentioned, vaccines are preventative measures. They're not treatment measures. Just to clarify that point, you mean in an infected population, the idea isn't to introduce a vaccine into an infected population. It's not, it's not supposed to be an immediate cure or solution for, a, for an infection, right? It's, right, because it's to, because it's to you, prevent, prevent the next infection. Correct. But more importantly than that is when you introduce a vaccine into a current outbreak, by definition, you create vaccine-resistant variants of the naturally occurring or the exposed um, viral particles. Okay, so why vaccination is important and it has helped us with polio, it's helped us with smallpox, it's helped us with measles, mumps, rubella. There's been a bunch of things that, and we, so we've done, there's been an enormous amount of very valuable public health work done. You know, people forget how many millions and millions of people died of diseases like smallpox, right? And so, and which is basically the first true biological weapon used, you know, on earth. Because we've, you know, we've used smallpox infected blankets. Everyone's heard these stories. Bring it into mm-hmm. populations that have had no natural immunity to it. And so why this is important is that you create these vaccine resistant variants by definition. It's the same reason when you have a bacterial infection, right? Which is very different than a viral infection. But if you have a bacterial infection, your doctor gives you antibiotics. You get penicillin. And it says, you know what, take the full regimen, take all 10 days, even when you start feeling better, still take all of your antibiotics. And the reason for that is you want zero escape. Okay, the antibiotic has to kill 100% because if anything escapes the antibiotic, whatever, whatever escapes the antibiotic becomes antibiotic resistant. And if, you, if, if that starts getting into the population, all of our antibiotic drugs will become useless. Okay, so all of a sudden someone gets an anti infection and you give them penicillin and the penicillin doesn't kill the bug or you give them some. And so and the only reason that happens is because somebody didn't take enough penicillin to kill 100 percent of the bacteria and the remaining surviving ones became penicillin resistant. So this is how vaccines are supposed to work. If, say, a thousand people are vaccinated and then they get exposed to a virus the vaccine immune response, say it prevents 99%. 99% of the people that were vaccinated don't get sick, their immune response. But 1% does. See, the issue, the big issue is people who are vaccinated who then become COVID infected. When a vaccinated person becomes sick with COVID, by definition, that person has a vaccine-resistant variant in them. Because every vaccinated person who becomes sick with COVID becomes a carrier of of a, a vaccine, variant 
of a new the variant. Vaccine resistant variant. A million virus particles comes into a person who's been vaccinated, right? Now, maybe the vaccine, the immune response, sufficient to block 900,000 of them or whatever you want to call it, right? But a few of them escape. And the ones that escape then say, ah, I have a fertile ground now because I, 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 I've, I've escaped through the, the castle walls now and I can proliferate. So that's not a big deal either, though. So a person gets infected, fine. Eventually they get better. But if that vaccine, vaccinated person who is COVID positive then goes and infects another person, whether that other person is vaccinated or unvaccinated, okay, now you're starting to proliferate the vaccine-resistant strain. Rather than quarantining people that are unvaccinated, it's the vaccinated that needed to be quarantined because all the vaccine-resistant variants, by definition, come from previously vaccinated individuals, which is why all new infections we're seeing in vaccinated individuals, not in the unvaccinated. This is really quite um, astonishing because what you've just said, like the idea is to, if you're going to quarantine a group, you quarantine the vaccinated people. This is the complete opposite of what we saw happening around the world. It's a complete reversal of, of so many government's policies during Correct. the pandemic. So now that's we need 500 new types of vaccines because every new, vac- every new um, variant the old vaccine won't work for any of the new variants. This so is done- this is how we saw the, all these, like the Delta variant, the, the Omicron. This all right. c- came about because people were developing vaccine resistance and then that new variant then spread in the population. Correct. And so this was completely predictable, 100% predictable from, from day one. That was COVID Vax Recovery Part 1. We just looked at the major design flaw in the mRNA COVID vaccines. We explored their disturbing similarities to the coronavirus itself, and we looked at the major oversight in how COVID vaccines were circulated. You'll find the link to COVID Vax Recovery Part 2 in the description below, once published. Earlier, we looked at the results for several Alzheimer's patients receiving Dr. Goodenow's targeted nutrient treatment. Let's take a quick look. Her inability to walk, uh, stopped communicating, stopped smiling, she would just sit and stare at a wall and wouldn't recognize you when you walked in the room. Good job, Carolyn. Carolyn, you're on video, hon. As a matter of fact, Carolyn came out this morning walking, pushing a walker, which she has never done before. Like, she hasn't done that for how many years now? So I was, again, uh, at the stage where I was almost crying because it was just awesome to see that. Links to the Alzheimer's Key to Cure videos are also in the description. It's been great to be with you. I'm Brendan Fallon, and this is Vital Signs.